Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. What a weekend in sports. Holy cow. What a weekend. College baseball got underway. UL college softball got underway. The Pelicans were on the wrong side of history Friday night, the right side of history yesterday. You had a very uh, Blue Blood-esque feel in college basketball over the weekend. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, made his college coaching debut and then got mad because someone stole things out of his locker and then it was put back there. And he... Apparently it was just some miscommunication. What a weekend, man. How's everybody doing out there? Everybody good? Everybody good? You heard some comments from Coach Digg there. Coach Digg's there right out the gate, but it was uh, it was something, man. It was something, you know? UL and Tulane go extra innings. I mean, the Cajuns play, what, 32 innings over the weekend? They go to Tulane. They play 32 innings. They lose in the bottom of the 10th Friday. They win after 10 innings on Saturday. They win in 12 innings yesterday in a back-and-forth game with a lot to unpack there. But uh, as you heard, Coach Matt Deggs, who will join me later today, 8-15, every Monday during college baseball and softball season. I will be joined by UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow at 745 and UL baseball coach Matt Deggs at 815. And here we are. And still talking to the basketball coaches on Tuesday. And the Ben have a game tonight. Louisiana versus UTA at the Cajun Dome. Senior night. 4.30 pregame, 5 o'clock tip on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Coach Marlin trying to become the all-time leader in Sunbelt wins. He can do it with a win tonight. But I digress. Back to the topic at hand. Coach Deggs, man, what a series. I mean, what what a series, right? <laughs> what do they call that, an instant classic? Uh, that was, uh, you know, I've been doing this my whole life, uh, and I've never obviously opened up a season like that, much less, I think, been through a series like that. Uh, two good teams that wouldn't budge, two stubborn ball clubs, and uh, it was heated, it was uh, intense, and like I told the team after the game, it had a – had a super regional feel to it and uh, we played both teams played like there was a lot on the line uh, which is pretty impressive for opening weekend man there's some versatility on the I think the the Cajun debut of CJ Willis very impressive young man a transfer from LSU who uh, split a pair this weekend with Air Force they play a lot tech today and they play uh, the Cajuns at Russo Park on Wednesday, but I, C.J. Willis, man. I mean, he he was really big in his debut this weekend for the Cajuns, uh, and his I think he showed some some versatility as well. Um, you know, playing some at first, playing some at second. Of course, you saw the debut of Hayden Dirk on Friday in a game the Cajuns. Um, didn't win, but a game that he looked tremendous in. Um, the pitching depth, I mean, they threw 14 guys this weekend. 14. 
Coach Steggs was asked yesterday after the game, was that the plan? About this weekend that you learned about. Wait, nope, that's a question for me. We'll hear that one in a minute. Coach Steggs, you threw 14 arms. Was that the plan? Well, not really. Uh, I think somebody asked me going in, and I said, I think we'll probably use, you know, 9, 10, 11. I, I, I thought we would get some longer outings. Uh, and we just did for one reason or another. You cannot discount the weather. Uh, you know, two of the, the first game for sure. And uh, just the weather that we've had leading into this, just being able to stay fresh and sharp and get your work in. Uh, the balls are slick. And I think you saw that play out in a lot of the walks that happened from both sides. And, you know, obviously we're a work in progress. We've got to continue to get better. And that's our mindset. Just stay focused on what we can control and, and not get caught up in the result, but get lost in the process of working to become a complete ball club. A lot of depth, as advertised on the pitching staff. You know, when you when you play game, when you have three games that all go extra innings, you drop one, you win two. Man, the difference between winning and losing a series all can just be swung on a single pitch, a single swing, in the mood coming out of the weekend. I mean, shoot, someone was telling me about a two-lane message board and how they calls to remove the coach, which is all just absolutely absurd. But it's fandom, and let's be honest. There are a lot of Cajun fans that would probably be overreacting if they had lost all three in extra innings where they had a chance to put them away. They played three games in a 55-game season. You make no rash judgments off of what this year is going to look like based on three games. You make small judgments. You make small observations, and that's what I'm doing. Some small observations are Willis looks great. Hayden Dirk was as good as advertised. The pitching has extreme depth. And the hitting, it was, the offense was a major question mark. Major is a strong word. The offense was a question mark coming into this weekend. It was. But, at least in the opening weekend, I think they answered some of that. It looked good. They didn't chase that many bad pitches. I asked Coach Deggs a question on, okay, you know, you've been practicing a while, guys, but now you're in real action. Did you learn anything? About this weekend that you learned about your team that you didn't know before this weekend? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I, you, you, you know it's in there. You know what I'm saying? It's in there. And uh, I thought we had a lot of electricity to us. And uh, this team's uh, – they're, they're exciting. They're fun to watch, and they've got some – some thunder and lightning to them. And, and uh, obviously we have no backup plan or no give up to us. Again, speaking of debuts, speaking of debuts, how about Drake Osborne? The catcher, transfer, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. He had to catch from a lot of different arms this weekend. He chatted with us via Zoom after the game last night. For you, um, in your life, have you ever played in um, a series or just a group of games in such short order quite like the series that y'all just went through? I don't think so. Uh, that was that was a pretty crazy series and a, and a great team win of, of that series. You know, Tulane's a good team, and, and everyone on our team performed well and did their job. 
Drake, for you personally, how how special was it for you to have a performance like you did today in a game three in a series like this? It was it was very exciting. Um, you know, I played well. Our our pitching staff threw well. Um, we had some guys come in and pinch hit spots and and come up clutch that that allowed us to get the W. So that's what was most important today. Drake, y'all used 14 pitchers in three games. Uh, I know that coach wanted to see a lot of people and, and get some work, but <clears throat> difficult is it to handle you know, that many different arms going in and out in the, in the short space of one weekend series? Well, you know, that's what that's what the fall and the early springtime is for. You know, we go through practice day in and day out to to learn each other, learn what pitches they throw, learn learn what they're capable of doing. And I think that played a big part in, in our success this weekend. can you use the experience of this weekend and just, you know, no matter what the lead was, no matter what the deficit was, uh, you guys never had quit. They never had quit either. How much can you use that uh, moving forward as you, as the season moves along and as the games get bigger? Oh, that's going to pay off huge for us down the road. You know, um, I don't think in my five years of college baseball, I've ever been a part of something like that, but it just shows how much fight and grit we have as a team and, and that we're capable of, of competing and we're never out of a fight. So, so I think it'll pay big dividends. Can you talk uh, to, to the performance of, of CJ who also had a, a really big weekend for you guys? Yeah. CJ, CJ came up huge for us yesterday in that win. And then he came out today and, and did the same thing. You know, he, he transferred over from LSU to, to step in and make an impact. And, and that's what he did right away. So it's good for him. There you go. Some comments from Drake Osborne. We're going to talk some Cajun softball as well this morning. No doubt. As they have a 4-0 weekend and win all of their games in uh, Birmingham over the weekend. And I think, you know, Summer Ellison was Summer Ellison. I mean, she was lights out. It's not a surprise there. She's elite. Um, There was some... From an offensive standpoint, I think for the softball team, it, it took it took some time, right? Like there a lot of the bulk of their runs this weekend all came in the 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 second half of games, past the midway mark. So it would kind of take them a little time to get to get situated to get going. I think with the other arms you saw between Vanessa Foreman and, and Kendra Lamb and Casey Dixon, they pitched good. I mean, they weren't elite. They weren't. You know, I mean, there there is a bona fide clear one. There is no one A and one B with this team, and Coach Glasgow is maintained. Kendra Kendra Lamb is is the uh, the number two pitcher, but you saw some others get some time in there. There were some good debuts as well. Talk about I mean, Sierra Bryan was was tremendous. So we'll talk to Coach Glasgow at seven forty five. We'll talk to Coach Deggs at eight fifteen. Up next, we're going to shift gears. Talk some Pelicans basketball. Elliot Clough of the Pelicans Plus podcast will join me in what a weekend for for Pels. Friday night, the fourth quarter hit against the Phoenix Suns and the Pelicans turned into the Washington Generals. Okay? I mean, if you were, again, historically bad. Historically horrendous that fourth quarter. And the stats prove it. 
Then you get to yesterday. The Pelicans are on network television. They're on ABC. They're playing the Celtics. It's the third quarter. It's at the halfway point of the third quarter, and they are down by 24 points. And don't even lie, there isn't a single person out there that's like, that's okay, they got this. They're going to make a run. Nah, 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 nah. Everyone's like, um, where's the effort? What is the deal with this team? Why are they? Why are they do? They they they're they themselves on network television, and then, boom. The switch flips. Zion goes off. Brandon Ingram goes off. Josh Hart all heart. JJ Reddick gets ejected. Nico Melli comes off the bench. He's burying threes. He's stretching the floor. He has his best game of the season. No Steven Adams either, and they found a way, and they have the best comeback in franchise history. The yin and the yang of the weekend for the Pelicans, kind of a paradigm of what we see from this team. They are consistently inconsistent, but boy, it was fun to be on the right side of history for the Pels yesterday. We'll talk some Pels with Elliot Clough next we got Ragey Cajun softball coach Jerry Glasgow at 745. Ragey Cajun baseball coach Matt Deggs at 815. Open phone lines between those two interviews and after the chat with Deggs. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere. Keep it right here. Kicking off your week in sports right here on ESPN1420.com. Put your hands in the air if you go high. Now put your drinks go. in the air. Go. If you go, 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 Welcome back into the great Scott show. Go hard or go home. Josh Hart goes hard. The Pelicans went soft in the fourth quarter on Friday night. Historically horrendous. There's no other way to put it. They led by 14 and then lost by 18. I mean, Chris Paul was on the other side, and he looked like he made the Pelicans look like the New Orleans Hornets in game four of the 2009 playoffs when they got slaughtered by the Denver Nuggets. Yes, I remember that game. I followed this franchise since they've been in New Orleans in 02. It was just bad. It was really bad. Really bad. Kind of kind of giving folks some, some PTSD. But the truth of it is, they bounced back. Took them a little while, but they bounced back Sunday. And they were on the right side of history with the greatest comeback in franchise history. And here to chat some Pels with us as we uh, talk some hoops this morning. As, uh, as promised is Elliot Clough of the Pelicans Plus podcast. Elliot, the yin and the yang of this team seems to be... The only thing consistent, uh, they're consistently inconsistent. But, man, it, it it feels like they're on the wrong side more often than the right side. It was just nice that they actually closed the deal yesterday and got that thing done against the Celtics. That it was, Scott. You, you hit it. This this team has been a roller coaster all season. I mean, currently they're they're 13 and 17 overall, 8 and 7 at home, so better at home than they are away. But, it, it's just been a complete and total roller coaster, and this weekend was the exhibit of it. Like you said, outscored forty-one to twelve in the fourth quarter against the Suns, where they were handling handling them pretty well for the majority of the game, and then turn it around, which was, I believe, a historic 
some sort of record-setting loss after being up that amount of time or, or allowing 41 points in the fourth quarter, and then having uh, a turnaround in the following game against the Boston Celtics, who don't have a great record, but they're better than their record, and and having a franchise, excuse me, franchise-setting comeback um, victory, 24 points and doing it against such a quality team in the Boston Celtics, such a talented team in the Boston Celtics, with the likes of Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I mean, <laughs> I hope everybody's been taking blood pressure medicine because the, the Pels are, are definitely going to bump that up for you. It, it, was, it was just crazy. I mean, there is not a single person, to be honest, I don't, I don't know that there was a single person – on the quarter on the bench yesterday that when the Pels were down 24 was thinking, we're going to come back and win this. Now, once they got some momentum going, I think you saw at some point the belief, you know, I, I don't want to sound cliche and say in their eyes, but you could just tell that at some point early on when they started chipping away at the big Boston lead, uh, that, that they started to feel like we could actually do this. Do you feel like there was one crucial key moment not late in the game when it's tied or in overtime but when they're trailing by as many as 24 and they were able to just wake up and you know I, I just just take a shot of espresso or something was there a key moment that you really felt like okay that was it that was the moment where suddenly they were all on board and felt like they could do this right that's a great question I, I think the the Pels started to chip away earlier than this, but ultimately what I believe to be the defining moment yesterday was the J.J. Redick second technical foul where he was kicked from the game. First of all, horrible call. The The first tech was soft. I mean, refs get, they get cursed at all the time in the NBA. We're, if we're being honest, that happens all the time. Secondly, he got a call that was advantageous towards him, bounced the ball to the ref, and then got uh, got a second tech that got booted. I don't know if that was the rallying point for them or not, but that is really where the switch flipped. The lead was just down to 12 at that point, and, and you could see it a little bit. The momentum was starting to shift into the hands of the Pelicans, but it wasn't anywhere near what I personally thought it should have been, that energy should have been, because, I mean, like you said, they were down 24. The lead was cut to 12. But then, ultimately, it was like, we got to do this for J.J. I mean, Nicolo Melli came in, which I think everybody was a little bit shocked at that, including myself, and, and he ultimately hit that, that uh, lead-taking three. But I, I think, ultimately, it was, it was when J.J. Redick was, was booted from the game. I mean, he is this, this team's veteran. He's been around for a long time. And, you know, he's not having the greatest season so far, but it was almost like a, do it for JJ, free JJ sort of situation. Once once he was booted, it was like the 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 bench came alive. Everybody was standing up, clapping. Everybody was standing up, excited when when their teammates would score. Um, and and that appeared to be the the turnaround moment for me at least. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Elliot Clough, our guest. It was uh, it was something. And of course, late in the game, you mentioned Belly hits the big three. Zion has the big and one, and then Boston they just refs let's stop and look at the replay let's stop and look at the replay let's reverse the call oh they hit the shot oh now it's tied now you're going to ot and it's like boy it would just feel this would feel like a game the pelicans would lose because they find creative ways to do it but they didn't they got to overtime and uh, and they got it done 
Josh Hart was crucial. I thought Lonzo Ball was crucial. They defensively really, I think, slowed down a lot of Boston's energy when they injected some energy. Now, you see that from Hart. Good to see from Ball, which you see sometimes. Um, but I, I just I thought both of them uh, were, you know, Hart a fan favorite of Pelicans fans. Ball a polarizing player. From He's got his own stands, and, and he's, you know, you, you see the best of him at times, and you see his deficiencies at times but those two guys I thought were absolutely just key cogs in that big comeback yesterday oh absolutely 100 percent. if I had to pick one particular player to to really give a bunch of credit to it would be Josh Hart I mean that's that's easy to do like you said fan favorite 17 and 10 last night and I think his 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 impact on the game was more off the box score than it was on the box score. He had a, a pretty amazing drive uh, to the basket late in the game that I think ultimately, I don't know if it gave him the lead, but I just saw the highlights. I can't remember quite where it was at the, in the point in the game, but his defense on Jason Tatum was otherworldly in the second half. I mean, we know Josh Hart to be a defender, but he's locking up one of the best players in the NBA. Sure. He finished with 32. Jason Tatum did nine of those coming from the free throw line, but I mean, Jason Tatum playing 41 minutes, scoring 32 points, and you come out with the victory. I mean, I, game ball goes to Josh Hart for me. And, and he was gassed. You could tell everybody was gassed, especially those, those five that played the majority of those final few minutes in the overtime and in the fourth quarter. But Josh Hart was phenomenal. It started with him, and that gave Lonzo Ball the opportunity to play off-ball defense. And that's where Lonzo's going to excel, right? I mean, we know he's – a good on-ball defender. He's not a great on-ball defender, but he's he's better off-ball because of his length. He is the six-six point guard, and so that allowed him to do what he does best. And honestly, Nicolo Melli was not awful defensively either. That that helped a lot. That was and, the biggest surprise um, of the game to me. <laughs> yeah, know, right. It you was. Know, I well, first of all, him hitting that the lead that was, was, awesome. was shocking. Big I moment. I you know I, I'm not one to freak out during games i tend to stay pretty calm but <laughs> that shot and the brandon ingram shot with 33 seconds left got me up off my couch i can tell you that but for for me the the game ball definitely goes to josh hart on his performance uh, guarding jason tatum and then lonzo ball like you said awesome off ball didn't have his best game as of late uh, offensively 16 points though and, and you can't be upset at that at all i mean six rebounds four assists and he was three of six from deep his his three point shot really changes this team. Elliot Clough, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. There were uh, a lot of close games. Uh, folks down here were paying attention to in various sports, all happening at the same time. But good to see uh, the good to, good to see the, the the teams that most down here were rooting for get the wins. Um, Zion Williamson twenty eight points late in that game in the fourth and overtime. The and and, and you you could correct me if I'm wrong, Elliot, but it seems like most times this season when they try to get the ball to Zion late, sometimes they can't because they're, they're trying to force it in the paint. The other team knows it. Yesterday they were like, just just give it to Zion before we even cross half court and let him bring the ball up here. Let him just handle it, um, you know, on the top of the key and then just see where it goes from here. And, you know, one of them led to that big Ingram three-pointer. Um, the other led to some Zion buckets underneath. It was a different approach offensively in terms of how do we get the ball in our, our playmakers' hands late in this game. And, and it really proved to be the difference because I think if they go more the traditional way and you've got 
you know, Lonzo bringing it up, or even B.I. bringing it up, which we saw at times. You know, I, I feel like Ingram, who who led what led the team with 33 yesterday, offensively, he seems like he's at his best when there is no hesitation, right? It's like two dribbles, pop, shoot. He gets the ball. He knows he's going to shoot. Quick move, up, shoot. When he's bringing it up the floor and, okay, am I going to try to create for myself? Am I going to... Am I going to wait for the Zion pick? Am I going to try to go around it? Or am I going to cut it back, try to fool him? It it just seems like the ball, it, it doesn't move quite as quickly. They were trying different things yesterday, and it seemed to be working. Now teams might, you know, teams might defend it differently now that they have more film. But do you think, I know I'm just blabbering here, do you think what we saw late offensively is more of a sign of things to come, a little more... Creativity is probably too strong of a word, but just trying something different in terms of how they get the ball in their playmakers' hands in in the best possible way, right? You want to have it in their hands, but you also want to have them in, let's not get it to Zion, and by the time he gets it, there are four guys on him, right? Let's not have B.I. have it with, you know, too many options. You know what I'm saying? Oh, exactly, and, and you hit it on the head. They put the ball in Zion's hands from the get-go last night rather than trying to run a pick-and-roll, trying to run – any sort of situation where he'd get the ball under the basket, they really just let the offense flow. And you you hit it. I mean, Brandon Ingram, he is a phenomenal scorer. He's a phenomenal basketball player. But starting possessions with the ball in his hands really tends to lean towards stagnant offense, whether that's because he tries to dribble the air out of the ball, create his own shot, doesn't make the right read in the pick and roll, what have you. He's just a better scorer than he is anything else. That's that's just a fact. I mean, look at look at the box score. Like you said, 33 points last night. Hit that three that really sealed it for him. But putting the ball in Zion's hands results in so much more ball movement that you've just got to go that way. I mean, he's he's been called Point Zion this season for a reason. He's taking the ball up the court. He's initiating the offense. And that just results in better basketball, higher basketball IQ plays for this team, three-point shots for Zoe, open mid-range shots for Brandon Ingram. And, I mean, it's working. Why go away from it if it's working? We've seen the screen actions with him and J.J. Redick, J.J. getting some open threes as well. But when Zion starts with the ball, there's just so much more spacing. And, <laughs> you know, Stan Van Gundy talked about it post-game yesterday where he said he wanted Nicolo Melli on the floor for more room for Brandon Ingram and, and Zion to work. And he said that in a very long, elongated way, instead of just saying, I wanted more spacing on the floor. And I think he was avoiding that because that's kind of the, the taboo word for them right now, considering that uh, the Pels made those moves for Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams this offseason. But we saw what it did for them. We saw the spacing that Nicola Melli provided. We saw the spacing that putting the ball in Zion's hands provided. And apparently, Stan Van Gundy's been listening to Pelicans fans because He's like, you know what? You want Zion to get the ball those last few minutes? I'm just going to put it in his hands and let him work. And and it worked. And oh. this team just seemed so much more composed and and fluid and comfortable, even though they're young, even though it was less than however many minutes to go when he made those plays. Elliot Clough, our guest. So are we going to see more of that in games, not even necessarily at the end of games, like Melly on the floor, to stretch it out and Zion getting the ball at the top of the key, or is it more like, all right, late game situations? You're not gonna, you know, be running this, um, you know, midway through the or you know, with four minutes to go in the second quarter. 
Right. And as far as Melly getting in there, you know, Scott, I have no idea. Uh, this rotations, I mean, these rotations for this team have been pretty interesting this this season. We've seen Nah play, you know, thirty plus minutes and then get did not participate in the following game. I think he played five minutes last night, and we'll see Melly, who hasn't played like consistent, actually meaningful minutes since January, get in in these late games. So I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if teams are going to start to respect him shooting the three now because at one point in the season, Melly was shooting 18% from three-point land, and now he's shooting 27%. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what that's going to look like. As far as the ball being in Zion's hands, that's just continued to ramp up as the season has progressed. He's getting more and more comfortable in that role, and Stan Van Gendy's letting him run with it. So as far as you know, Zion getting the ball, that's going to happen more. That's, that's just what's going to happen more. That's a fact. Uh, but Melly playing uh, more significant minutes, that's, that's up in the air still. If the team wants to go more for, for defense at that sort of tweener, four-ish, five-ish position, I am a Wenyan Gabriel stan. I will put my reputation on the line for Wenyan Gabriel. But uh, Nicolo Melly is not my guy in most situations. We'll see how that goes. I know there's been calls for trading for Eric Bledsoe. Maybe the Pels can go out and get a spacing four out of that. Uh, but I don't personally think Nicola Melli's the answer, but it worked last night. ESPN1420.com. Uh, Elliot's calling for Gabriel minutes and slamming <laughs> Melly after his best game of the season. We saw Melly last year, obviously, when he was on the floor with Zion, um, you know, have, have a stretch there where it was like, okay, this could possibly work. Now this year, I'm not going to overreact to, you know, the last four minutes and 11 seconds yesterday of regulation and then overtime. Um, and and, and I, I don't want to overreact to the game as a whole. Uh, it was just nice to see them win after their previous two games, one where they, you know, lost late to Portland, another where they were historically awful and turned into the Washington Generals in the fourth quarter against Phoenix. They got six more games before All-Star break. What do you want to see before the, the, the midweek like, uh, excuse me, the mid-season break. Do you want to, like, what, if there's one thing at the top of the list, you're like, I want to see more of this. What is it? That is a great question, Scott. You know, I, now that we're talking about it, probably putting the ball in Zion's hands, love that. But definitely, as far as on-court play, I, I want to see more minutes from Kyra rather from that, excuse me, rather than from Eric Bledsoe. Maybe even a Kyra start in there. I'd be all for that. Or, you know, putting, putting Lonzo technically at the one, maybe starting Josh Hart and, and having the ball in Brandon Ingram slash Zion's hands to start possessions, maybe lesser so Brandon Ingram, maybe giving Lonzo a few more opportunities in the pick and roll or, or running some actions for him shooting the three-point ball. But I definitely want to see less of Eric Blood, so I can tell you that. I tweeted this out, I think, a couple games ago where – I don't know if you remember that, Scott. This was, I think, two or three years ago when he was with the Suns and he tweeted, I don't want to be here, yeah. and it blew up. And I'm getting some serious I don't want to be here vibes from Eric Bledsoe this season. He's just, I mean, he lacks awareness defensively. Sometimes the effort just straight up isn't there. He's just chucking three-point shots. It's never a good fit, not, though. It just never It never felt sure. like the right fit. It never felt like it was a long-term thing. And, you know, I, I think... I just maybe maybe if you dish him for conditional draft picks in the future, second whatever. Okay, 
Maybe you maybe your win share drops a little because you're playing all more or rookies more, but I think long term it's absolutely the move you got to make. Exactly, exactly, and ultimately the team still may very well move JJ Redick. I think if there's any player they're more inclined to move this season, it's probably going to be JJ. Even though that hurts me to say he's not playing particularly well this season, but I do love JJ, who he is as a person, love his podcast, all that stuff. But I would would call for for the movement of Eric Bledsoe in terms of just on court play first. I definitely want to see more Kyra. I, I think all NBA fans, not NBA fans, excuse me, Pelicans fans have loved the the minutes that we've gotten from from Kyra so far this season. And also, assuming, well, if JJ is to stick around, I'd love to see more of those actions with with Zion and and JJ throwing picks out there for each other because. I mean, those have been fun. Those results, those result in back baskets because you have to respect Zion's ability to get to the basket and dominate under there, and you also have to respect the ability of JJ Redick to shoot the basketball. So it's just a perfect pairing. And and despite JJ's size, he sets some awesome screens out there. He he's a smart basketball player. They do a lot for each other in those situations. So I'd love to see more of that um, in minutes as well. Elliot Clough has been our guest. Final question, Elliot. Um... How much should we? How much should anyone actually take away from yesterday? Right? There's been, it, my, I guess. Let me let me let me expand more on it. There have been moments this year where you're like, okay, now now things are moving in the right direction. I think. Okay, now we're starting to see. And and I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt, but it's not like it just suddenly flips. You start seeing Zion's improvement defensively. 40 games into his career, well, 11 games later, it's not like the Pelicans have just cured all of these bad habits, but you see moments where you're like, okay, this could work. Like, with what happened yesterday, let's be honest. Like, there is no outcome Wednesday against a a Pistons team. That'll surprise you, right? Pelicans win by 20, Pelicans (laughs) lose by 20, Pelicans blow a late lead. Like, that's, that's where this team is, right? Just... Just enjoy yesterday for what it was, and don't overreact. Is that words to the wise? Am I am I on the right track here in your mind? More than likely, yeah. I think the the one takeaway is just what we've known about this team in, in situations where they're down, in situations where they look like they're out of it. They can come back when they want to, when they have the energy. Their resiliency is there. It's just about effort. It's about intensity. It's, it's about drive. And we've heard so much from that, or excuse me, about that from Stan Van Gundy in post-game media sessions where he says we need more defensive pride, we need more defensive intensity. But when they bring it, they win most times. When they bring it, when they're moving the ball, they, they play good basketball and they're able to make comebacks like they did yesterday. So I think you really did hit it on the head. Um, we, we talked about it in that first few questions where I said they're a roller coaster and that's just what they are. That's just what they are right now. And and they're learning to win. They're learning how to do it night in and night out. So as of right now, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Chalk it up as a win, move on forward, hope they can string a few more wins together and, and hope they can, you know, get a revenge game for that loss to the Pistons because that was definitely embarrassing a few weeks ago. Yep, 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 no doubt about it. All right, great stuff from Elliot Clough. Yes or no, is Zion Williamson going to be an all-star reserve? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he has to be. I mean, the efficiency that he's playing with right now, I think I brought it up last time I was on first player 
to average 24 points and 60% from the field since Kevin McHale. Other two are Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, the way he's playing basketball right now, and he's doing it in so many different ways, he's got to be an all-star. I don't think I don't think Adam Silver is for him to not be an all-star at this point. Elliot Clough of the Pelicans Plus podcast from the Boot Crew Media. Check it out. He said the team's a roller coaster. That's a good way to describe it. Elliot, appreciate the time, man. I know we'll be talking to you again soon, all right? Absolutely. Thanks so much, Scott. You got it, brother. Roller coaster. Ragey Cajun softball up next. Jerry Glasgow, head coach. Four games into the season. It finally started for him yesterday. Excuse me, Saturday. What did he learn about his team over the week? And we'll break it all down and more. It's coming your way next year on The Great Scott Show, ESPN 1420.com. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. As promised, joining me now, as he will, each Monday throughout at 745, Louisiana softball coach Jerry Glasgow. Uh, Jerry, I, I know you guys got in really late last night slash early this morning from Birmingham, so I appreciate you waking up early with me, but... um. I guess the long bus rides home, they're always good whenever you can come back and, and still have that perfect record intact. Yeah, it, it's been a lot longer, you know, if you uh, don't play well and st- stump your toe over there. And girls played great. Pitching was great. And so it made for a fun bus ride home. And and uh, I was really so keyed up. When I got home, I couldn't go to sleep. So then I don't know what time it was, probably 4 a.m. before I could get finally doze off and go to sleep and and uh but it makes it really easy to get up when you're you know when you're off to a good start and avoid that first first loss on the first weekend because it's really easy to to do well it's been so long since you guys last played was there part of you that when when first pitch finally began on saturday against jacksonville state you were like all right it's actually happening was there a small part of you that's like is this ever going to happen yeah, absolutely. I was just like, we're never going to play. And then, you know, to go through eight cancellations to start the season after losing the last 32 regular seasons last year, it is really, you know, tough on the kids and coaching staff and, and I'm sure our fan base to, to stay positive and to, to, you know, to keep the faith, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I was finding myself trying really hard to be negative at times and frustrated. Uh, I felt like we were so ready to play two weeks ago, and it just really disrupted our preseason uh, timing and repetitions and plan to have to wait another eight days to play. But it is what it is, and the girls were brilliant. Uh, they did really good. They did whatever we had to do to win. And 
I was happy with the weekend. Uh, Kendra Lamb, she had outing since the 2019 season and uh, got off to a strong start in your opener. Um, I think she retired nine straight to start the game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, your thoughts overall on her on her performance this weekend in each appearance and just in terms of her pitching. Is there is there something that you still want to see out of her? Where are you at in terms of just her opening this year? Because I know you guys plan on counting on her quite a bit this season. Yeah, I'm extremely proud of Kendra Lamb. Uh, it's one of the bright spots for our future. And, uh, you know, she's start off with she's an excellent student, uh, a, a really good student, a really good student athlete, a really good person that makes great decisions. And we, you know, she's been here three years. We've never had a discussion on, uh, not one discussion in three years on anything, you know, disciplinary or she just does her job and really a blessing to us as a coaching staff. And, and the thing about that I like about Kendra, I admire about Kendra and I wish that kids in the, you know, kids in the United States right now, we, 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 we don't want to be patient. We want everything to come to us fast and easy. And Kendra sat here two years, redshirted last year when I asked her to redshirt, because I just did not want to waste a year with her behind class in summer. Um, and I, because I, I believe she can be special. I believe she can be really good. She's got to do a lot of work and got to really develop. But, uh, you know, she came all the way from Australia. And I, I tell her all the time, you know, you didn't come all the way from Australia to be average. You come from Australia to be great. So just work really hard and remember that you came over here. The purpose you came for was to be great, not average. And I think, I think you're going to see Kendra Lamb over the next two and a half years develop into a really special college pitcher. And I thought you could see, you know, it's been two and a half years right now that we've been into this project, and it's a five-year it's a five year deal. And uh, I thought she'd come out and made a huge statement about who she was. She was throwing really hard. She just continued to get better, even her fielding, you know, which was a challenge for her when she first got here. She just worked really hard and improved it. And uh, I, I can't say enough about the enthusiasm I have for what she's given us, uh, uh, given our ball club on a daily basis. Coach Jerry Glasgow, our guest, uh, Summer Ellison was Summer Ellison. Um, in, in game two on Saturday, you needed her to be a one nothing win over UAB. And when we spoke a few weeks ago, you, you pointed out that, you know, her, her what she does in practice doesn't always meet necessarily or coincide with what she does in the circle on game day, but – uh, and that's just to say the high level of play on game day, Coach. And uh, it, fe- it felt like, at least, you know, in listening to, to, to Steve and Bobby and following the game, that she picked up right off. Yeah, you know, like, she must be the ultimate gamer. You know, that's Bobby Navo said that yesterday. And I said, that's right. I guess so. Because all spring, that was been the question mark, is when the game starts, in February, is summer going to be summer? You know, is she still going to be that person that we've come to know and 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 got to watch in these brilliant performances in the, in our Raging Cajun uniform? And that was my big question. I mean, the first scrimmage of the spring, I think she gave up 15 runs in 
four innings and 14 of them were earned. And one of the last scrimmages, she, she gave up seven home runs. And you're like, you're shaking your head. But what, what she's doing is she, she, you know, I talked to her after the, the scrimmage where she gave up seven home runs. Are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm good. She said, I like that. And when they hit like that, that's good. That gives them confidence. Well, she's just serving it up. I mean, she couldn't out there. How you could be that competitive in a game and in practice be that unselfish and just serve it up for your teammates and let them hit. <laughs> that's amazing to me. And uh, I, I, just, I, I can't do that. I, I don't want to lose any time, ever. <laughs> I just never want to lose. I don't want to lose one inning. And yet Summer's personality is, Let's, let them have fun in practice. It doesn't matter. But when it matters, she becomes this ultimate competitor. And so we're, we're beyond, beyond uh, exuberant, happy, celebrating that Summer Ellison, Summer Summers, I guess, Summer Ellison Summers is still Summer Ellison. Thank goodness. Because, you know, and that was one of the questions I had when you go through a a wedding and you're married and you're obviously into the next chapter of your life. Are you still going to have that same desire, that same inner, you know, the guts that make her a great pitcher, all those intangibles? And does that change just a little bit somehow and knock her off her path? So I, I really was concerned. Man, I'll be up. I mean, I, she knows it. Everybody knows it. I was really concerned, and I said, "If we, I, I, I made the statement home to my wife last week. If Summer Ellison walks on that, out on that mound and pitches the same as Summer Ellison has pitched the last three years, I'm going to be absolutely amazed, and it defies all things that a coach would say about practice. But she would. She sure did." And she was absolutely brilliant. I told her in the fifth inning, I said, we're going to have to win this game one to nothing. Don't lose focus. We got six outs. We're going to have to win one nothing. You're going to have to win this game. And because I wanted her to stay really, she really, that's her, that's her key is if she doesn't, doesn't waver in her focus. If she stays focused, she's just so amazing. And, and she did. She just went out there and locked it down and played through a, a we even put a runner on second with a, a, a an error and put her in a horrible position. And she strikes out a batter and gets the key out when we needed it. And so anyway, to, to answer your question, it's, I've spent a lot of time on this question, but I think it was the biggest key question about our program going into season was would Summer Ellison Summers still be the old Summer Ellison, and she was, and she was fantastic. And and I'm telling you, I know people listen on the radio, and you can't see on video the movement on her pitches this weekend was actually, I think, equal to any of the games I've ever seen her pitch. Her movement was absolutely phenomenal. The ball was dropping, and the ball was rising. The ball was curving. Changeup was deadly. She was really good. So that's a great sign for our ball club over the next three and a half months. Coach Jerry Glasgow, uh, head coach of the number eight ranked Louisiana Rage Cajun softball team, our guest. Uh, it's it's fascinating to hear you talk about it, Coach, and that, you know, you're talking to your wife. It, it sounds like something that might have kept you up at times at night. Is she going to be able to do what she's done? And uh, she did that and more on Saturday. And I, 
Is surprise the wrong word? Was it just not necessarily a surprise for you, but just more of the unknown, and then it was just an emphatic yes, if if, if that makes sense? Yeah. I, I, relief would be the right okay. word. Gotcha. Because, gotcha. You know, I knew it was possible that she could do it. My wife would t- tell me, you know, we. I mean, this has been happening since January. I come home like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> What's wrong with summer? Is, is summer going to be summer or? Is that just her lack lackadaisicalness in practice? And my wife said, Jerry, relax. She's this is what we see every January. She'll be fine in February. Relax. You know, reassuring me that it was gonna be okay. And she my wife was right, thank goodness. I was um I was just worrying for no reason, but that's what we get paid to do to worry and we, we get paid to be sure nothing uh slips by us and but it was a huge, a huge relief to me. And, and, you know, it's so funny. You saw it like she literally came in relief the first game and threw three pitches and struck out a kid to get us out of a key inning in the first game of the year. And those three pitches, they dropped. It was a friend of mine from Illinois whose daughter was batting in. She threw three of the sickest drop balls you ever saw and struck that young lady out in this one, two, three. <laughs> And you knew right then, Summer Ellison is back. And it was a it was an emphatic statement that she made. It was a huge statement. I, I made the statement yesterday dug out. I can only imagine what the transfers: Sierra Bryant, Justice Mills, Jenna Keene from Arizona. I, I can only imagine what those kids from the Pac-12 teams and the SEC teams has come in here because they never saw Summer Ellison except in practice. They'd only saw the Summer Ellison that we saw in January. Their jaws had to drop when they saw her in a game because it's inexplicable what she does. I can't name any other athlete in 13 years of college softball coaching, that, 13 years of college coaching that even comes close to having that kind of switch over from practice to a game, but I'm sure they just sat out on the field and were amazed uh, at her performance and the change in her performance. Jerry Glasgow, I guess. I I got to ask you now, Coach, because you said it was it was a worry, it was a concern. Your wife's like, relax, it's fine. What what's the you know? I mean, like you said, you get paid to worry, so. What's uh, what's the biggest worry now after opening weekend? Is there what's the what's the top concern for you? You guys are four and zero, and and you're getting ready for a lot of games this week. What's on the top of the list now that uh, that it's no longer summer? Uh, just chemistry, team chemistry. We're talented. Like this team is, this team is really talented. This team is, it's got all the talent. It's got every physical thing inside the clubhouse we need to win a national championship now can we can we be can we develop that you know oneness that togetherness that it takes to really win and 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 here's the challenge for our ball club we don't have time to fiddle around we need to get it together and we need to play big games this weekend against the lsu and oklahoma state we need to be together by then, and that's not even fair to ask them. You know, it's not fair to ask them to gel into that type of team chemistry at this point. But you know, they don't even have to be a hundred percent to win those games. All they have to be is at 
95%, and I think we can win all those games. This team is talented, so the only thing I'm worried about is is the chemistry part, the jail part. You know, we got so many tools, and we put Gatorres out in the outfield yesterday just to let her relax and get her back going, and she's going to be a great player for us. She plays a game uh, in a different style than I, what's, what I'm used to and what I really prefer, but this kid can play, and and I'm learning how to coach her. I want her to – when she leaves here, I want her at the end of the year. So hopefully, I mean, this is what you want with every kid you recruit. You want them to leave and say, man, that was a great experience. And I think she has the talent and tools to absolutely make that happen. Um, but it's just an example where, you know, we put her in the outfield yesterday, and she's not practiced the outfield all year. So it's uh, – we're, we're going to have to do a lot of coaching, and we're going to have to do a lot of adjustments on little things, but the talent in the dugouts there now, can we become a chemist? Can we, can we become a team and have the team chemistry that we need to win games? And, and, uh, that's it. And the other part that a challenge for the team that this is a difference between, you know, when you talk about top 10 college softball versus college softball, it's, there's a lot of pressure being a top, you know, playing at that level and carrying the load or the mental load that you have to have to, to, to the focus that you have to have on a daily basis to be a top 10 team and the intensity you have to learn to play with because when you get in the Super Regional and the World Series, you, in the dugout, I can't describe even the intensity that you have in those dugouts because you only got an hour and a half to figure out how to win that game against another team that's just as good as you are. And so I want to be, I want that intensity in the dugout to be that way right now. I want it when we get there in May. I want that intensity in dugout. The kids have played like that for 56 games, and and so I know right now the intensity in our dugout, it's it's uh it's really, it's shutting down some of our players. They just can't think like simple things like get a signal. You know they can't. It freezes them up because of the intensity, and so we're we're gonna work through that. We're gonna we're gonna overcome that here real quick. And and we're either going to overcome it by being able to execute flawlessly, or we're going to let somebody else. We're going to overcome it by somebody else is going to do the execution, and I'm going to watch. So we either execute or we don't, and we're so we're battling that right now, and that's a battle for our ball club, and and we're going to we're going to demand excellence every single day, and and uh, those are the things that that concern us as coaches right now. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I'm Scott Frather. We're visiting with Raging Cajun head softball coach Jerry Glasgow. Um, you guys are about to play eight games over a six day stretch beginning tomorrow. Um, a lot of softball in front of you here, and <clears throat> after the long wait, like you said, uh, you guys are coming out, and and there's a lot of games stacked one on top of the other. Um, hopefully, we can get them all in. I know, knock on wood, just it seems like in the last year. That might not happen with the way things have gone. Uh, you mentioned Gutierrez. I wanted to ask you about Sierra Bryan. Uh, you referenced her briefly, but the transfer from Georgia, uh, she was tremendous. You know, the win uh, against UAB, the one nothing win or big hit there. But seemed like all weekend um, she was just kind of fit like a glove right in. And uh, just I, I'm, I, I'm not in there like you are. You see her practice. You see – things about the game that 
somebody like me would never see, but you're the head coach. You notice things. So I just want your honest perspective of her first weekend playing for the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, Sierra Bryant, Sierra Bryant, she's really good. Uh, she's extremely talented. I mean, so Sierra's a girl that I found in seventh grade, saw her play, and her speed and her unique combination of power, even though she's tiny, the quickness of her hands, you can see it. Like in seventh grade, you can see the elite quickness of her hands and the speed in her in her legs. And so now to finally get a culture, it's just I'm really enjoying having her around. She she understands intensity. She played for a great coach over at Georgia. Uh, coach Lou is a she's a taskmaster, you know. And anybody that plays for Coach Lou and and is able to be under her for a period of time is going to be tough as nails. So she's got that toughness that we know we need already. It's in her back pocket, and and so it, it was no surprise to me she come out and so kind of like Summer Ellison, you know, she just stepped it up a notch uh, this weekend. And thank goodness, I thought her and. You know, along with her, you know, like Rain O'Neill was phenomenal. And and Melissa Mayu was phenomenal. So we had some kids that Alyssa Dalton was really good. But but those kids stepped it up to another level this weekend and, and that's what we gotta have every weekend, just somebody step it up and do their job and and and, and along with a bunch of other athletes on our roster uh, that are extremely talented. Sierra Bryant's one of those kids. And so when a, when a really, really, really talented athlete has a great weekend, they make a huge impact. And this weekend it was her right off the bat to make a statement to our ball club and make a statement to our fans and make a statement to our program, who they are. And you're going to see that happen throughout the year by, you know, by different players. And that's, that's why this ball club's respected and, and people all over the country that really know softball know how good this team is because, you know, they're all there's just a lot of athletes on this team that can make a huge a huge statement on any given weekend. Coach, what's the key here this week? Final question. Um, like we mentioned, on the schedule, eight games over uh six consecutive days, um, you know, big big time competition in, in in some of these games. Is it is it earlier offense? What's the biggest key in your mind to to having just a really successful week that you know you guys are going to be happy about and proud of come Sunday evening well the biggest key every week this year is going to be that COVID test on Tuesday morning <laughs> that's that's the number yeah, one obstacle in our path. and so we're going to get used to that and we really worked hard this weekend I mean we ate every single meal in our hotel room and we never stopped at a restaurant we never stopped at a gas station you know, you're talking about kids went a seven-hour bus ride, and they never got to go in a gas station, go to the bathroom. Uh, we stopped one time at a rest area last night, so we we're going. I understand the opportunity of this ball club, and I understand the importance of this team. Uh, we're going to try to navigate our way through this season. It's going to be filled with some landmines, I'm sure, with the COVID testing and the COVID situation. But that's our obstacle right now. Now, behind that, real short, we I'm hoping. When we got home, we had we played two games late, and they weren't back to back. It was a game, set out a game, play another game, and then got on that bus, and we got up at two o'clock. And we had kids; their backs were really hurting last night when we got off the bus. And legs were, you know, it was it was absolutely not an ideal situation to get home. 
And so I'm hoping our recovery goes good and we're ready to play again on Tuesday night when we get to Eastern here. Um, that's that's my second concern is just the early season health of our ball club after that huge, long road trip, especially with our pitching staff. Um, in a perfect world, we're at home and on opening weekend, and they go in the training room and get really good post-therapy, post-game therapy and, and rehab, and we – we didn't get to do any of that. So that's really a huge concern of mine. And I'll be, I'll feel really good tomorrow night when I get to see our kids on the field and, and know that they're healthy. And I hope that turns out to be the case, but that's my second biggest concern. And then beyond that, just playing all these games this week are going to be great. It's going to be warm weather. Um, and so I, I think that part will be really good. We practice, We've practiced all we need to practice. It's time to compete, and that's what we need. We need to get on the ball club, out on the field as a ball club and compete. So I'm not worried about the schedule or the overload of games. I think that's going to be good for us, but I am worried about just the simple COVID testing. Um, We masked up. We did everything exactly by the book. Uh, I'm proud of the girls, the way they bought in and the way they, they respected the rules and the maturity with which they handled themselves this weekend, I'm really proud of. So um, um, that's the only thing I'm uh, – my number one concern is COVID. My number two concern is our just our recovery from the hard weekend of competition on opening weekend. And uh, if we can get on that field tomorrow night with all of our players and everyone uh, relatively healthy, um, it's going to be a fun week. Coach Jerry Glasgow, Rage Occasion softball coach, has been our guest. We'll be talking to him each Monday throughout the season at 745 on Monday mornings right here on the Great Scott Show, ESPN 1420. Jerry, appreciate you waking up early with me after the uh, the long bus trip last night. Congrats on the uh, successful weekend, and we look forward to airing all those games this week, man. Yeah, you know, with the fan base we have here in Lafayette, I think the one thing we owe every – day is to be thankful for them and then a big part of showing your appreciation and and the thing that you owe the fans by being thankful is just to give them information they want to know about our program and so i'm glad to wake up i get up at four o'clock to share with our fan base about our team and our program and that i really appreciate them and you know it's going to be a tough year and i, I want to hold our fan base together because i want you know i think about sierra bryant and justice mills and these kids that are coming here for one year, they're never going to get to see Lambs and Park be Lambs and Park. And I hate that for that group of athletes. But I want to make sure we got that fan base intact next year. And to the kids that get it, you know, they come from all over the country. At least Jenna Keene will be back for another year. But that's Foreman will be back for another year. And I'm sure Sierra Bryan and Justin Mills are going to stick around. You know, they're, they'll stick around and finish their Masters. And at least they're going to always be a part of our program. And we want we want them to see Lamb Park with three thousand people in it next year when we play LSU and and get to see what it is. So I'm glad to share with our fan base. I I really thank you and all the people that cover our program. I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you because you're that key connector between us and those fans that are so important to our program. All the best, Coach. Appreciate the kind words, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. All right. Mm-hmm. Great stuff from head coach Jerry Glasgow. We'll shift gears, talk Cajun baseball. Head baseball coach Matt Deggs joins me next. We're back in three minutes. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420.
Welcome back into the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather, as promised, joining me now. Head coach of the 2-1 Louisiana Ragin' Cajun baseball team, Matt Deggs. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Good morning, Scotty. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing good, man. Yeah, let, let's get right to it, man. I mean, the difference between winning and losing, one pitch here, one move there. Um, when you went into this weekend, if someone had said, you guys are going to play 32 innings, um, most coaches might say, oof, I don't know about that. I, I feel like you probably would have been like, awesome, more baseball, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much my mindset when I show up. I've I've booked the rest of the day off. I've, I've, I've got all evening, and uh, however long it takes, it takes, man. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and probably 26 years, I think, and that's uh, obviously never seen anything like that, especially opening weekend. Just uh, the intensity and the fight and grit out of both teams, and, and uh, you know, it was like they were playing for their, their survival, and uh, which was it was fun to see. It had a, had a regional, super regional feel to it. After the, the, the game on Friday, you guys fall on extras. What's, what's the message to the team after that game as you guys prep for the rest of the weekend? I, I told them, you know, it's. Uh, I, I said we'll come back and we'll win these next two games because I, I, I believe that, you know, we were explosive enough to do it. I, after seeing both teams play, I, I honestly felt that we we would win that series. And uh, if we if we you know weren't so generous, you know, there was a couple of things we needed to do better, which was cash in with uh, with guys in scoring position and, and two outs, and not be so generous on the mound. And uh, Slowly but surely, we got a little bit better at that as the weekend went. And, and some of our uh, – look, this team's exciting. And, and some of our explosiveness started to come through. You know, we were able to steal a lot of bases. We were able to lengthen the field out and, and uh, had some guys come in out of the bullpen throwing strikes. And, and, you know, hitting's hard. And if you can throw it over that little white thing, it's uh, – you know, it, it gives you a serious advantage. And so as the weekend went uh, – you know, we were able to clean some stuff up, and and obviously, I think everybody saw the grit and fight, and just kind of never quit attitude these guys have, and and you know, neither team would budge, and uh, so it was uh, it was good to see us, you know, not back down and and finish a series against a really good ball club. Uh, coach Matt Deggs, our guest, in in regards to the hitting, coach, I know it's it's just three games, but. Um... Comparing it to, I guess, the early portion of last season, it, it, it seemed to me like you guys really, you didn't chase very many bad balls. Uh, there weren't too many wild hacks at it. It, it seemed like a lot of the, the work you guys have put into it, you, you're seeing some results early here in the season. No, you're exactly right. And every at-bat, just about every one, you know, uh, I think we had 126 at-bats on the weekend and just about everyone was competitive in a dogfight, and that started from the word go against their ace and and Oltoff, and who's who's a really really good college pitcher, uh, one of the best you'll see. I think we start off with a five pitch, seven pitch uh, at bats, and so we grinded abs and were able to lean on guys, you know, whoever they threw out there all weekend, and so every at bat was a was just a dogfight. And, you know, more than anything, I like the bat speed. We were violent all weekend and, and we, you know, we competed every pitch with bat speed. Our direction needs to improve a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously we have a long way to go, but 
every at bat was just a throwdown, and that's obviously what we want to see. Matt, you told us yesterday that uh, in regards to yesterday's win in Jack Burke, that you would have thrown him, you know, two hundred innings if you had to. You 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 were just giving him the ball. Uh, that young man been with the program since twenty sixteen. He comes in in the eighth and and just keeps going and going. What can you say about his performance overall yesterday, and and what you've seen out of him since you uh, you came to the program as head coach? Well, he's definitely our kind of guy. Jack's a, a you know cut out of the the he he embodies everything Cajun baseball is all about. He's he's uh, he's a very hardworking, humble young man. That's a great teammate and a really good leader, and he leads by example through his through his actions. Uh, he's he's definitely, as Coach would say, worked while he waited and overcome a lot of injuries. And he has skin on the wall here, and 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 he's done some things for this program throughout the years. And he deserved that opportunity. And I just said it's it's his day, and uh, he's gonna, however long this takes, it takes, and he's gonna finish it for us. Good stuff, uh, head coach Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. You told us before the season many times, Coach. You, you guys had a lot of depth. In pitching, you said you had about you know fifteen arms. I think was a number I heard quite a bit. Well, you threw fourteen this weekend. I don't know if that was the plan, but um, how did you feel about all the results? That was a. We've got a long way to go, and and it's uh, obviously still a work in progress, and not what we wanted to see or expected to see, but. I think that it's a it's team sport, right? And it's about picking each other up. And there were guys that come in, and, and especially over the last two days, that just continually picked each other up. And that's what it's all about. We're a, we're a really good pitching staff and much better uh, as a whole than we threw it this weekend as far as some of the walks and wild pitches, uh, et cetera. And so uh, I, I think you can look for big things out of this staff. And certainly, as you saw, it's deep. And uh, we've got a, we've got a, you know, a chance to do some things with these guys. A lot of different pieces, a lot of different parts. Uh, you know, Will Moriarty wasn't even with us this weekend, and and so at some point we'll get him back and and get some guys healed up that are battling some things and uh, continue to identify roles and spots and you know put put guys in the right spots to succeed for us. And so. Uh, I love this pitching staff, and I think he saw some of that depth play out over the course of the weekend. One guy, the guy that that had to catch uh, from a lot of a lot of different arms this weekend was Drake Osborne, the transfer from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Before I ask you about his work um, offensively over the weekend, how did you feel about him? Um, you know, uh, behind the plate. Uh, he's he's Drake's Drake's been something else for us. He's a uh, you know, he had competed against me when I was at Sam for the last three or four years, and, and I knew what he was all about. He's got a lot of grit to him, and, and he's a really heady player, and, and he's got a sneaky bat, man. And, and we kind of put him in, you know, and I like him in the six hole. And uh, the, a lot of stuff seems to come your way in that spot. And, and he's all he's done is hit and lead this pitching staff since the day he walked on campus. And I know he didn't get off to the start he wanted Friday, but it was extreme conditions and facing some really good arms. Uh, so Hagedorn came in. I thought he did a great job on Saturday. And then uh, just told Drake, hey, man, with this, we don't think around here. Go out and swing hard in case you hit it and let's get after it today. And that's exactly what he did. 
CJ Willis, uh, looking at him, I think the versatility uh, that you have on the team and a guy that can play on different spots in the field, uh, he was just really big this weekend. I mean, in in terms of just the timeliness of it and and, and what you guys needed at times. Um, I was very impressed by this young man. Uh, was was I mean, that's just my way of leading into the question of just your your thoughts on this guy and had had what you'd seen in terms of practice and preparation meet your expectation of what you saw from him on the diamond this week. Oh yeah. He's uh he was right there to start Friday. Uh you know, went in a different direction just just because and and uh he was he answered the bell on on Saturday and Sunday for sure. I thought he was kind of the straw in the middle of everything uh for two wins over those over Saturday and Sunday, and I, I, you know, his best tool is his compete, and he's big, he's physical, he can run. Uh, what I like most about him, and he's, uh, I, I compare him to Mark McLemore. He's a he's a guy that should have about, you know, four or five different gloves in his bag. He's a really good defender at a lot of different spots, and so he's able to push a lot of people. And then he kind of came out and and you know. He uh, forced forced uh, my hand on Saturday, and and uh, so we run him back out there, and he was just a presence again. And so I'm looking for big things out of CJ. He was playing hungry, and uh, you know he's he's just so versatile, and and just gives us a, a, a different look in so many ways. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. Um, I'll ask you. Well, let me ask you. You mentioned the weather a minute ago. Uh, obviously, the conditions were different yesterday than they were Friday. How, how big of an impact was that just very, very cold, frigid weather on Friday? How big of an impact do you think that had on the game on both teams? Well, it had been cold for, I don't know how long, a week, you know, extreme cold. And so we get over there on Thursday and we practice and it's the wind's blowing at least 15 miles an hour right in our face. And it's the wind chills in the 30s. And we have a two-hour practice. And so everybody, I mean, it's cold. And so that was Thursday night. And uh, then come out Friday, and I'm going to tell you what, it was it was really, really cold. And the wind was in your face, which I'm, it was a big wind in your face, facing some good arms. And you just can't discount that. That's what makes Connor Kemple's home run so impressive uh, to kind of get us going. Uh, that was into a uh, just a dead wind in our face, and that was a no doubter. Went over the net and left field and everything, and uh, I thought that was a, a huge swing of the bat for us this weekend. You, you can't discount though from the pitching side of things too, uh, as far as the cold. The balls were slick. Uh, it's it's tougher to get loose. It's uh, it's just a it's a tougher game, and it's a, it's kind of an equalizer when you get weather like that. Matt Diggs, I'm going to ask you a question I asked you yesterday, but I want to ask you again. Um, your answer will probably be the same, but you know, you've had a night to think about it. What did you learn about your team this weekend that you didn't know before you guys were playing against somebody other than one another? Yeah, and, and you know, like I said yesterday, it's a great question. It's you, you really don't know going into every year, uh, even going into 14, you know, you really don't know until the bullets start flying and they, they flip the lights on. And uh, I guess the best, the best answer to that is I thought it and believed it, but I, I think, I think we've got another gear or two to us. And, uh, you know, we, we, we like the scrap and 
more than anything. That's what I like because people are always going to going to pay to watch a fight, and I think people saw a lot of fight and scrap out of this team. Now this week you got La Tech tomorrow, LSU Wednesday. You got uh, three scheduled against Rice for next weekend, all at Russo Park. Uh, what do you want to see out of your team this week that that you haven't seen yet? Maybe a, a question you want answered over the course of these next five games. We just have to continue to work to get better at the stuff that we can control, and and for us, you know that's that's uh, that's everything to us is just staying in the process of of getting better and staying off the result of a scoreboard or a stat sheet, and and being able to go out and, and be aggressive and be on time and fight for the dish and fight to own the fastball, and 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 compete. And win the battle of twos, and and to me, that's what the game is centered on. And so, uh, everything that we're looking to improve on is in our control, and and that's where we've got to stay is in that mindset right there. Uh, you know, we're all day to day. This weekend's over. It's a prove it to me business. And uh, tomorrow, next day, the next day, none of that's guaranteed. We need to be great today. We need to have a great lift. Uh, we're going to COVID test later, have a great lift, and uh, get ready uh, for La Tech tomorrow. Rage Occasion at Baseball Coach Matt Deggs has been our guest. Coach, I appreciate the time. Look forward to talking to you Monday mornings uh, over the course of this season, and uh, we'll see you guys out on the diamond tomorrow. Appreciate it, Scotty. Have a great day. You too. Great stuff. Rage Occasion at Baseball Coach Matt Deggs. Uh, I, I, you know, talking about C.J. Willis, man, you know, didn't get the start Friday, went another direction. Then Saturday he goes out there and forces my hand. Got to keep him in there Sunday. He was tremendous, man. He was tremendous. Um, brings some versatility. Can play him at multiple positions. Transferred from LSU. And, um, you know, a kid from Ruston that his parents went to La Tech, but, you know, he's at UL and drafted by the Rays a couple of years ago, I think in the 39th round. Just a All-American in high school. Just a great player. And, and, you know, there are a lot of guys you can highlight in terms of their performances over the weekend. But, boy, I mean, you, you, you think back to some heartbreaking, really close losses um, early last season in a shortened season. But to come away with two of the three wins when they all win extra innings, just such a different feeling than if you lose that series or you drop all three, or you drop two or three. Just such a different feeling, man. And to build on that is big. And, and I like what, I like what he, he said out the gate in terms of the hitting. You know, last year, early in the season, you saw them chasing a lot of bad balls. Um, you know, uh, what do they call it? Helicopters? Just, I'm just going to swing it here, just give it a while. That, you, you didn't really see much of that in Uptown New Orleans this weekend. And he said, yeah, I mean, the, the, the improvement, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and that, you know, the hitting, I think, for many was a question mark. Now, it's only three games, and we're going to see him more. It's going to be, let me just tell you guys, it is going to be an extremely busy week in sports for UL on Town Square Media Radio. They, these airwaves, other airwaves, okay, we got, we got Raging Cajun basketball tonight, senior night. Okay. Um, Coach Bob Marlin with a win tonight would be the all-time leader in wins in terms of Sunbelt history. He'd pass Kermit Davis. They're currently tied. 
Pre-game is at 4.30. First pitch is at, uh, excuse me, first pitch. Tip-off is at 5 from the Cajun Dome. Okay? So you got that this week. Uh, you got that tonight. You got uh, Gary Broadhead, the coach's show, Louisiana Basketball Live from Pete's at 6 tonight. That'll air here on ESPN 1420. Oh, remember, by the way, they've won, what, 11 in a row? You got Raging Cajun softball tomorrow on 960 against Eastern Illinois. You got Raging Cajun baseball tomorrow against Louisiana Tech here on ESPN 1420, pregame at 530. You got Raging Cajun softball Wednesday at 6, 545 pregame on 960. You got Raging Cajun baseball from Russo Park against LSU Wednesday, 530 pregame, 6 o'clock first pitch. You have Raging Cajun softball on Thursday against LSU, 6 o'clock, 545 pregame, right here, ESPN 1420. You've got Raging Cajun softball on Friday against Buffalo, 345 pregame. Raging Cajun baseball Friday against Rice, 545 pregame, 6 o'clock first pitch on Newstalk 96.5 KPL. You've got Raging Cajun basketball Friday. Against Little Rock, 6 o'clock pregame, 6.30 tip, Classic Rock 105.1. You got Rage Occasion Women's Hoops on Friday against Little Rock on Talk Radio 960. Okay? At uh, 6 o'clock, 5.45 pregame. Saturday as well, 4 o'clock, 3.45 pregame, 9.60. We got softball. We got basketball on Classic Rock 105-1 next weekend. Softball on 9.60. So, uh, excuse me, women's basketball on 9.60. Softball here, baseball there. See, it's a mouthful. I'm trying to get it all out there. We'll have the info for you on our website and nice little post come Friday. So this upcoming weekend when you need to take a gander at it and say, okay, what's on what? Like I said, a busy week in sports which means it's really busy for us, but hey, it's good. They're playing games. Now, I think if we've learned anything over the last 11 and a half months is uh, don't pencil anything in for sure, for certain. I know there is some rain in the forecast beginning Thursday and throughout the weekend, but uh, we'll adjust. Looks like nice weather the next two days, so plenty of games to be played. We'll take a timeout. Here on the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Haven't had open phone lines for any of you guys yet. We've talked some Pels. We've talked some Cajun softball. We've talked some Cajun baseball. You know, Jerry Glasgow of Open Book, love hearing him talk. We talked to him just before he digs. You know, one thing stood out to me that he said above others. I'll tell you about that. Question mark for me as well. Heading into this week for UL softball, we'll dig into that. The yin and the yang of the Pelicans, it's all coming your way. I'm Scott Prather coming at you on a Monday morning on the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. J.J. Reddick gets ejected yesterday, and, um, you know, he, he had some words with an official. What's the official's name? Tiffin? 
I think his name is Andrew Tiven. So Reddit gets two quick texts and then just boom, just like that was out of it. It was a crazy Pelicans game yesterday against the Celtics. Uh, Pels come back from down 24 midway through the third quarter. Greatest comeback in the history of the franchise. But Reddick picks up a pair of texts. The first one uh, was Josh Tiven was the, was the, uh, the referee's name. Thought he got fouled, had a word with Tiven, who had, you know, teed him up shortly thereafter. And then on the next possession, Reddick drew a foul and was passing the ball to the ref to give it to him. And uh, according to Tiven, he thought he put too much force on it. So he just ejected him just like that. And, you know, as, as Elliot Clough told us last hour when we were talking Pels with the host of the uh, Pelicans Plus podcast, he said, that was really, in his mind, the big spark. The big spark in that moment. You know? Melly got some minutes. The, the team was ticked off. They were in the midst of a comeback. They got even more fired up when Reddick got ejected. And it's not like he was playing great either. I mean, he was one of four from beyond the arc. Fired up his teammates. It actually proved to be a big rallying point, a big moment. Anyway, just thought about it when I heard that liner of it's your boy, J.J. Reddick. Ah, what a weekend in sports. Novak Djokovic wins another Australian Open. You might have missed that over the weekend amidst everything that was happening. Um, Ranked number one in the world, won his ninth Australian Open. His 18th career Grand Slam. It's just crazy. He's only two behind Roger Federer and Nadal. He's right there. I mean, depending on the, the, the 2021 year, he could... He can win the next three majors and pass both of them just like that in the next, what, eight months? Don't think it's going to happen, but hey. Tennis is being played at a high level right now on the women's side as well. Speaking of the women playing elite at sport, Rage of Cajun softball, I love Jerry Glasgow's transparency, always have. There's nothing elusive about his comments. He doesn't try to escape questions. I mean, if anything, you 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 have to reel him in at times and like, okay, next question. But he's just but but I love that. I love that he was just so blatant and honest about, you know, I had I was just major worries about Summer Ellison and how she is in practice and uh, you know, an off season and married a busy a wedding all this busy stuff that was happening and then she comes out and I'm, I'm losing sleep over my wife's like relaxed and then she comes out on saturday and she is just the all-american that fans of that program know and love just lights out and and, and his little tidbit about how man she probably just takes it easy in practice so the hitters can work it's like i can't operate that way but she does and it works and he's like, I can only imagine what some of our transfers that have come in here, Sierra, Brian, Gordieras, and others, they're sitting there and, and they they see her in practice and all of a sudden they see what she can do on game day and they were just, must have been wowed by it. And he spoke early in our conversation about Kendra Lamb, who is the number two pitcher right now, and said he got big, big plans for, big hopes for. It's a five-year process. You know, I think for Lamb... She definitely, I mean, look, she's good. There's no denying she's good. Um, 
you know, I, I, I thought some of the other arms that got in there were good. Um, but you need to, you know, Vanessa Foreman was good. Casey Dixon was good. Um, Lamb has one pitch right now, that rise ball, and it's really good. It can beat most teams, but you know the expectations of this program. And to reach that ultimate goal, I, I you gotta you, you gotta have two at least two pitches and at least two pitchers against the elite of the elite. They got an elite one right now and they got some really good ones. Can they develop into another elite one? And and you know to Glasgow's points about Jay Gutierrez, she said, "Look, she she didn't have her best weekend, but but trust me, she can play. And I think she will be one of the top three or four hitters on the team this year. I do. I do." But it was it was uh, it was a great uh, it was a great weekend on the diamond for them. Cajun baseball, very very exciting. Enjoy the conversation with Coach Matt Deggs. If you missed any of the show this morning, um, had Matt Deggs on, had Jerry Glasgow on, had Elliot Clough of the Pelicans Plus podcast on. He was on with me in the seven o'clock hour. We talked about the yin and the yang of the Pels, the wild weekend on the wrong side of history Friday night, on the right side of history yesterday. We'll have all that up for you on the Great Scott Show podcast page. You can subscribe to it via Spotify, Anchor, or some of your other podcasting platforms if you miss any of the shows or interviews. The majority of them all end up on demand on the podcast page for you to listen to on your own time. But for those that listen live in the morning, I appreciate it. And when you do, a lot of times you have an opportunity to talk. 269-1077-269. One zero seven seven. Let's head to the phone lines. Welcome into the show. Good morning. Um, the first game against Tulane, I think the uh, starter he went five innings, and I think they uh, he threw about sixty, only sixty, no more than seventy pitches. Right? Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah, that that sounds about right. I, I think uh, good game. Uh, this guy Osborne, but I feel like every time I heard him at bat, it's like he came through. Um, Dude, to have a catcher that can bat like that, yeah. I know, I know the guy, the last guy, handsome, was supposed to have some type of power, but I guess he showed it at the end. But uh, this guy here, man. Um, no, he, he, you only get one year of him, but yes. I mean, I think, I think, and to 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 catch from 14 different guys this weekend and to hit like that yeah. in, in a series where Dex talked about it, the way the weather was. Like, you just, to think about the toll that, that can put on a body and, um, it just it was it of all the, the 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 debuts I think it was probably there were there were some really impressive ones but I think for baseball I think it was the one I was most impressed with in terms of debuts for the Cajuns anyway. I'm listening to um, <laughs> I'm listening uh, to your interview with um, Coach Daggs and um, Justin uh, mentioned just to, <laughs> he mentioned Mark Macklemore man that, that just that brought back some childhood memories. And just for just for him mentioning Mark McLemore, C.J. Williams is my favorite uh, Cajun player. Just for him mentioning, are you, do you remember Mark McLemore? I mean, I mean, he played for the Orioles for a good minute. He was, uh, uh, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he played for a lot of teams, right? The Angels, yeah, Cleveland. I think he was in Texas, Seattle, probably a couple of others. But yeah, he was one of those guys that played like almost twenty years, right? 
Oh, I don't know how many years he almost. <laughs> I think played. wasn't I his know, nickname uh, Super Sub. I have no idea. Yeah, I, don't know. I think I, just, I, I think just, that might be where that comes from. I think he had a nickname. I could be wrong, but I think he he had a nickname Super Sub, and he could just come in and I don't know. I mean, Tony I, Phillips. Uh, Tony Phillips was a. Uh, he was one of those type of players where he could he could play any position, you know, with the exception of pitcher. And um, you know, he could good in there and probably catch a game or two. But Tony Phillips was a. I always thought Tony Phillips was a was a was a slept on player, man, baseball player. You remember him? Not really. I guess that proves your point. Tony Phillips, you know, oh man, uh, played for the Angels, Tigers, Athletics. He died uh, not too long ago, man. Tony Phillips had some. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He died. No, no. Yeah, yeah. He was a fiery baseball player. Like, like he didn't. He didn't take no. He did. He, he no played for. Out. He played for the Tigers and the White Sox. I no, because I think he played for the Mets for a year, if I'm not mistaken, or, or like Maybe. half like a like season. I said, he played, or for, he yeah. played for a number of teams, but he was a fiery, fiery player. Like he just didn't take yeah. it from. The opposing team or the uh, mas- uh, mascots or the umpires. He, he just wasn't. He, you know, he, I remember him playing for the Tigers and the Angels. He was he was on that Angels team that self destructed huh, in '95. But uh, look, man, yeah, but uh, yeah, CJ Willis. I got to root for him now, man. When when he said Mark McLemore, uh, that was uh, that that, that was a great right reference right being, there. <laughs> that was a great reference. Look, D- Diggs is such a baseball guy, man. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I see that. But look, you have a good one and. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Mark McLemore, C.J. Willis. I like it. Super sub. He was great, man. He was great. And the competition on that team, you know. Again, question I asked Coach Dex. About this weekend that you learned about your team that you didn't know before this weekend. That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I, you, you, you know what's in there. You know what I'm saying? It's in there. And uh, I thought we had a lot of electricity to us. And uh, this team's uh, they're, they're exciting. They're fun to watch. And they've got some, some thunder and lightning to them. And, and uh, obviously we have no backup plan or no give up to us. Good stuff there from Coach Deggs. We mentioned Drake Osborne. He... Spoke with us uh, after uh, after the game as well. Had a number of things to say. Drake, for you personally, how how special was it for you to have a performance like you did today in a game three in a series like this? It was it was very exciting. Um, you know, I played well. Our our pitching staff threw well. Um, we had some guys come in and pinch hit spots and and come up clutch that that allowed us to get the W. So that's what was most important today. I, I, I'll be honest, these Zoom press conferences after games, especially road games, um, I like it. I like being able to get on it because in my life, so yesterday, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to Jay and Brad. I know a lot of folks were watching on ESPN+. Plus. I think they lost the feed at like 5. So I'm listening in extra innings once, the, once that's lost, and I'm watching the Pelicans at the same time. My wife's trying to get some things together because the kids, you know, my oldest back to school, my younger two back to daycare today after a holiday week. And the, both of these games, like at, at one point, I'm like, it's almost over. It's almost over. And they both just keep going and going. So by the time the games ended, right around the same time, like I had to get the kids out of her way so she could like handle some stuff. So 
I put my one-year-old in the stroller. My other kids, I try to get them on their bike. I think they just grabbed a scooter, and, and luckily it's not freezing outside anymore. So I've got them all outside, and I'm just walking down the street, and the Zoom call starts. And on these Zoom calls, you can turn the video off of you. So And, and obviously, you can mute your mic. So I'm listening while my kid accidentally, my oldest accidentally steps into an ant pile, and he's like yelling. So I'm cleaning all these ants off of him. My youngest is trying to crawl out of the stroller. My other one falls off of her scooter. And I'm, I'm listening to Degs answer these questions, and I want to get my question in. So <laughs> it's multitasking, right? And they don't, no one on the call knows that any of this stuff is happening. They just see my name and like a, 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 you know, an empty screen. So I just see this cat in someone's yard. I'm like, oh, y'all, go check out that cat. Look at that. And then I like run five yards away while they're paying attention to the cat, turn on the mic, turn on the camera, ask my question, turn off the mic, turn off the camera, listen to Coach Deggs give his answer. And by the time he was still wrapping up the answer, they were already back like jumping on me and complaining about ants. Now, that is something that could never happen in a traditional press conference. But nobody knew. Got my question in. Got some good audio from both Drake and Coach Deggs. Got the kids out the house long enough to give the wife a break. Save my kid from the ants. I mean, I, I got, hey, got to pat myself on the back a little bit for that. Steve Pelequin is next. He's back from Birmingham. He called all the games over the weekend for Rage Cajun softball. He's got plenty in store for you. His show, Beyond the Game, comes your way next. That's going to do it for me. Tomorrow on the show. We'll visit with Raging Cajun head coach, basketball coach Bob Marlin. We'll see if um, he's the all-time leader in Sunbelt wins. Cajuns today at the Cajun Dome Senior Night against UT Arlington. We'll talk to Gary Broadhead as well. We'll have plenty in store for tomorrow's show. Looking forward to it. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app. No.